in West Des Moines. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Two, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Mark Morehouse coming up. Zubin Mahente in 20 minutes as we take you until noon. What was the crowd like at Wells Fargo this morning? Good. Was it? Unity Christian from way up in the northwest corner brought a very good contingent. Did they really? Yeah. Good for them. For a 9 a.m. game. I mean, those... Ugh. They had to get on the road. I would guess the bus is probably left at like six, Sheesh. something like that, to get there. And uh, Roland Story, obviously up by Ames, yeah, a really good contingent there. It's been fun, social distance, of course, yep. but uh, been able to see everybody, everybody complying wearing masks. Good. It's been as buttoned up as you would hope, and it's been a lot of fun down there. All right, j- j- Mark Morehouse, momentarily, just real quick, uh, any. Buzz left over from yesterday on the Southeast Polk Ankeny. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're still talking. It's still talking. Trent, that's going to linger, man. It is. And should replay be used when you get to the yeah. state tournament? Regular season, you can't. It just... No. At the 4A level, yes, there are most, most games, at least video, yes, but... Was there... Is there a... I mean, was there replay set up to even do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah? for what I was doing with the, the girls' network yesterday with uh, them... There's enough camera angles. Is there? I think that you could make it work, but do you change the rules once you get to the state mm. tournament? And even with that, yeah. do you have the production crew to be able to pull that off? You have officials that have never dealt with replay, then having to learn how to deal with replay. Mm-hmm. So how did he miss the call? I think he was blocked by okay. the defender. I think the Southeast Polk defender got between him and the out of bounds, whereas the girl's foot was out of there. I think it was as simple as that. Mistake was made. He's got he's to be sick. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Mark Morehouse joins the program. It's been a while since we've spoken with him. He is back uh, along with our friend John Miller. Have a joint endeavor uh, launching here, HawkeyePodcast.com. It's going to be more than a podcast. There's going to be writing involved as well, and it's good to have him back on. Mark, great to catch up with you. How have you been, Mark Morehouse? How was retirement treating you? Um... I like the deer and the turkeys, yeah. uh, but I miss I miss the action. And when since I've been gone, Trent has become a level-headed, uh, uh, facts-first guy. This is this is amazing. No, I'm just I'm giving Trent crap. Uh, interesting development down there at the state tournament. Uh, I think Trent's right, and yeah, I, I can't wait to get back. Actually, I, I just. Uh, um, John called me up at just the right time. I had a few. I, I reached out for a couple jobs. Uh, one was a newspaper here in my area. And uh, unsuccessful, largely. Just, you know, that really fell out of place in newspapers. And John gave me a call at the right time. And he's a very good salesman, you guys. Yeah. Yes. That's why I, yeah. I, I've heard that many times before. So you look at back at the football season that you missed. And it was interesting seeing your tweets and your perspective of, the games as they were going on, obviously different than being there in the press backs and watching. What was a season away from Iowa football for the first time in, what, 20 years that you were not part of the beat on Iowa football? What was it like watching it from the TV vantage point? 
Yeah, it's like 25 years. I, I covered mm. it for a couple of years at the Telegraph Herald in Dubuque. Um, uh, what was it like? Um, well, one thing that really hit me in the head, Trent, was uh, uh, how hard it is to cover a game from a press box, and what a stupid endeavor that is. <laughs> you can see so much more. You can. You can pause the DVR. Yep. You can uh, uh, look up some stats. You can, you know... I understand being there and going down and getting quotes, which is also kind of a, you know, I don't know why you go dark right after the game, but that's how newspapers go. Everything's run by, you know, the, the printing press, you know, pretty much. So I, I, I thought I saw this team and I thought I saw the season a little better, a little more clearly. And, uh, you know, in-game stuff, it's easy to pick up. It's much easier to pick up on stuff. The uh, better view of the field, um, but I... I totally get why newspapers do, or why media does the press box thing. And uh, after a while, though, that challenge just kind of wore away from me. And and you know, sitting around last fall, basically in my recliner in my butt watching games, <laughs> I really did feel like uh, I could see him better and maybe articulate things a little bit more clearly or a little more slowly. And when deadline's not ticking, you know, you can actually take time and maybe think about what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Mark Morehouse is our guest. So, Mark, how has COVID changed the way you know media will cover sports going going forward? I mean, in the in the era of Zoom, with all the you know the press conferences on Zoom, I I assume this year that you know for those uh, reporters that were in the press box, they stayed up there and jumped on Zoom. Likewise, on the Tuesdays or whenever uh, Coach Ferentz meets with you guys, is, do you anticipate that that's the future, Mark Morehouse, or will we get back to that in person stuff? Uh, that's a great question. I think, I think, te- schools will kind of see how convenient it was for players just to hop on a Zoom. Uh, maybe even before they get in the shower. I don't know how they did it, but it seems like that it avoids a lot of uh, logistics. You know, getting guys down the locker room after showering, and you know, reporters are looking at their watches, thinking, "Well, oh, there's deadline coming here. I've got to get going." Uh, plus, you guys have been in that post game media session with the big table in the middle of everything, it got less and less. You couldn't get to as many people as you wanted. And, you know, Kirk talks at one time and the players talk at, you know, basically the same time. You kind of had to pick your where you're going to go, what you're going to do. I think sports information staff will see, hey, it's really convenient just to throw a guy on uh, Zoom for five minutes. I, I think that might stick, Ken. I, 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 I can just... It might work for everybody in the long run, especially in basketball when it's eight o'clock on a Tuesday. You know, when the tips tips off at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, you know, down the road especially. Play and if they lose, you know, everybody knows how short those press conferences are anyway. So, I could see that sticking around. Can I? I, 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 I there is much more value to doing it in person because you have a chance to actually ask more than one question in a row mm-hmm, yep. uh, that so it is very frustrating it, it can be frustrating for media um and you're also kind of held hostage by idiot who hasn't been, who has <laughs> just says talk about <laughs> you're, you're you're hamstrung by that guy a little bit different and a different feel and, and taking up the time with either some inane questions or questions like that where you didn't don't get a whole lot of insight so a review of the Iowa football season and the way that it ended, not getting that game against mm-hmm. Michigan, not getting the bowl game. It felt like this team was finally trending in a positive direction, and maybe we're finally starting to see something out of Spencer Petras, and you don't get those final two games. How impactful do you think that was as we will look back at 2020? 
Well, it, it, it uh, puts an asterisk by everything, doesn't it? I mean, I think everything was going to have that anyway because everybody played, a, you know, a, not the same amount of games. The tests were not the same. So there's going to be there's going to be an asterisk anyway uh, in front of the 2020 season. Iowa missing, I, I think, when it was at the high momentum, they would have been fa- they would have crushed Michigan. And Trent and Ken, you guys both know, anytime Iowa is favored against Michigan, oh boy, you really want to play that game. I mean, I I, th- I can't remember Trent. Were they favored in 2019 at Michigan? I don't think they were. No. But it ended up being a 10 to three game, uh, a winnable game for Iowa. Probably the biggest disappointment of 2019. And then, uh, you know, you get another shot at Michigan. And plus, Harbaugh is such a punchable face. Um, <laughs> you just kind of want to play that game and punch that program in the face. So they didn't, they missed that opportunity. And then it was going to be Missouri. I, what, what bowl game was it? I don't even remember now. Uh, Nashville. Inside bowl. Nashville. Oh, yeah, Nashville. Right. Yeah, that would have worked out really well for the Hawkeyes. They would have kicked the crap out of Missouri, which had thrown in the towel. And that's another thing about 2020. I think a lot of programs are like, you know what? Uh, we're done. And, and, and Missouri basically embodied that. Uh, I think that would have been a great thing for Hawkeye fans because I think that's a match made in heaven, but uh, uh, Nashville and Hawkeyes. But yeah. I think Iowa would have crushed those teams, and they probably would be looking at a top 15 ranking. I, they might still be in that. I, I think if you look at what Iowa has coming back on the defensive line, they probably are top 25 team. Mm-hmm. But if they would have been able to play those last two games, I think the momentum would have carried them in the top 15. They would have started at a better spot. Yeah, you know, even if it wasn't on COVID year with, with the, uh, wasn't there, the, the explosion was what, January, was it New Year's morning that the, the bomb set off in downtown Nashville? Oh, yeah. yeah I don't yeah, remember I about that. any of the day. So, uh, Mark, let's talk about Hawkeye Podcast. What are you and John going to be doing? Or, uh, we, we certainly, not that we don't want to hear you speak, but we certainly love reading you. Uh, will we, um, will there be, what, what's the, what content do you hope to provide at HawkeyePodcast.com? Well, one thing we're going to really, we're going to try to wrangle data. Um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we want, I want to be able to, you know, make lists for people. I want to be able to, you know, show like the Hawkeyes last five performances against this program or this coach and see, you know, what patterns emerge, uh, what, uh, who performed well, what worked. Um, so I really want, we really do want to wrangle data. Um, probably won't be like uh, pro football focus type data, but stuff that shows, you know, uh, like the last five years, Kirk Ferentz's offense did this last five years. And just, just in a smart way, in a way that can be interactive for people, and so anybody can get on there and answer a bar question. Basically, that's the that's what's mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. I hopefully we can bring that out, but um, I, I think there's some value in that. I think there's some value in just having all the games. You know, having all like I think we'll probably start with like trying to grab the last five years of football data and plug it in and, and try to make that as interactive as possible. Um, as far as writing goes, it probably won't be. I, I probably might. I'm will likely make some calls. I won't call them journalism. They'll be conversations. Um, and then beyond that, right now, just the right off the top of my head, I haven't been able to touch basketball for. Oh man, um, mm. I covered uh, Ricky Davis at Hawkeyes at the Telegraph. <laughs> wow. That was a lot of fun. Um, Ricky Davis was uh, he, he could you know pick a quarter off the top of the backboard yeah. and turn it over in the same play. So. Uh, that was fun to watch, uh, and I haven't. Re- I've been really kind of shut out on basketball for whatever, and I, I, I just I want to get to right away just the impossible and almost confounding and incredibly bad math this pro- poor program has gone has operated under. 
I mean, Purdue has been to 10 Final – Iowa and Purdue were in the 1980 Final Four. Purdue has been to 10 Sweet 16 since then. Iowa has been in four. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of, I think that's what everybody kind of feels with Iowa basketball, like when's my time? And I think that's what we see about every when they lose this time of year, every year the pressure builds, builds, and builds, all because of, well, I, I say it's bad math, but what, what is it really? It's program mismanagement. It's a, coaches maybe weren't quite right fits. Well, obviously two that weren't for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Morehouse joining us here. All right, Mark, uh, I know you're watching basketball. You're reacting to what you see on basketball. But you're also a wrestler. You got that wrestling background. Your brother was a wrestling coach. So how about wrestling content? I had somebody ask me, and it's a sport that you enjoy. Didn't have a lot of time for John it when you're doing too. newspaper. John's really Yeah, and you got a team on the cusp of the national championship. Expecting to do anything content-wise as it pertains to the wrestling program? I ha- in my head, I have like a very pro-wrestling sort of uh, podcast idea. Mm-hmm. But I would really love to do it watching it live. You know, uh, and, and try to do my meeting Gene Honda, which I really don't have, but I would love to kind of pretend to be that guy. But wrestling to me, um, yes, you get close to the wrestling fire, and it, it's uh, you see stories that you just can't believe that you see superhuman efforts, and, and also another sport I really couldn't touch for twenty whatever years. Um, yeah, I can't. I I hope to find some of that. Um, we I hope to write and talk about uh, the teams that have been cut. Um, hopefully, you know, obviously, women's swimming coming back. Um, I hope there are no more cuts because I think the next one will be the one that just won a Big Ten title with, uh, oh, yeah, a coach from Iowa City. So I, I hope that the, does, the knife doesn't go any deeper. But we're going to, you know, we're going to touch on everything. John is a, as you guys know, he, he, he's big on the Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I was real, a real pretender on Ken Palm stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, Ken Palm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anything about I'm that crap. You. So I, I, I watch a game, and I generally know what I'm seeing, and then they put it in mass, and, oh, yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. Um, so he'll probably try to walk me through some of that stuff. But uh, I would say this. I'm probably going to watch – I'm probably going to cover basketball and wrestling – more like a fan. I'm, I'm interested in it like anybody else. And, boy, when, if, when it's successful, as you guys know, uh, everybody likes talking then. Indeed. Mark Moorhouse, HawkeyePodcast.com is our guest. Mark, i got to ask you a couple of NHL questions uh, just because I know you're such a fan of the sport. You watched Patrick Kane on Sunday night score his 400th goal. I think for now, Mark, and, and maybe this is – I'm going to get your opinion on that. I think he's the best um, American-born hockey player of all time. Now, I'm not sure he'll hold that distinction for very long because I believe Austin Matthews is going to be that guy. Uh, but Patrick Kane, 400 goals, remarkable feat. Is he right now the best American-born to ever lace him up in the NHL? I think he's he's close. And I would say this, he's the best Blackhawk. He's the best Blackhawk. And I know that there are going to be people who argue me. Makita. Uh, argue with me, but Stan Makita, yeah. uh, 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 Hull, uh, uh, uh I'm blanking on his first name. I'm Bobby, sorry. yeah. But uh, there are yeah. here, Pio Pelote, uh, Tony Esposito. There are a million black, good Blackhawks from the day, but how many of them won three cups? How yeah. many of them are, are still performing? Like Kane is such a threat. You watch him on the ice. You know, I don't. You know, I, I just made really kind of made fun of my understanding of Ken Palm stats, uh, the Corsi stats in the NHL. I'm kind of also Ken, sort of on the fence with those. Me but too. You watch how a team reacts when Kane's on the ice with a puck. Everybody's falling in place. 
Everybody's kind of surrounding him. He's been under that sort of spotlight forever, and he's still producing. So that's to me is an amazing feat. Uh, the team is producing as well. I didn't see this coming. Now there, it's about to, the schedule's about to get uh, ratcheted up a little bit, but I didn't see the start coming. I thought that this was going to be an also ran team. I really did, Mark. Well, it's playing without two of its best players and Kirby Doc and obviously John Quintave, yeah. but uh, really, I'm getting to know some of these guys I've never heard of. I, they're probably one, they have one guy, uh, a suitor from the Swiss League. That's probably one guy from the Swiss League. Too many, <laughs> but uh, he's been fun to watch. Uh, Hagel's been fun to watch. Uh, I love, really love Kirishev. He's uh, uh, reminds me of the good Russian Detroit players. Um, uh, mm. uh, so uh, this team, it's grown on me uh, defensively. It's a train wreck. So you're seeing a lot of, a lot of uh, almost ten goal games uh, at least in the last week or so. And Ken, I don't know. You know betting's illegal is legal in Iowa. Yes, indeed. The over in hockey this year has been gold. Yeah, well, it's usually set at five and a half, and they fly by that one after forty minutes normally. Hey, Mark, listen, uh, glad you're back in the business. I really am. Uh, gives us an opportunity every few weeks to catch up with you, and we're grateful for that. Uh, you and John Miller, best of luck at HawkeyePodcast.com. And great to speak with you, Mark Morehouse. Thank you. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to it. Good to yeah. talk to you. Thank you, Mark. We look forward to it as well. Mark Morehouse from HawkeyePodcast.com. Him and John going analytical. That's why I have you. I have a number of reasons I have you, but I rely on you for Ken Palm. Yes, stuff, yeah. Because you're a disciple. I am. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. I feel like I don't go too deep. I probably go deeper in college basketball, though, than I do like in baseball, where it feels like at times the analytics almost bog things down they too much do for to me. me, too. I like a surface glance. I, I understand what war is, but it's hard to justify, you know, well, this this play, you know, Mike Trout, he's a 10-war player. Right. And the difference between him and going back in time, is that really calculated correctly? I, I It can't be. And, you know, for people, for guys and gals my age that are into sports, we got through without knowing the speed off the ball, the ball off the bat, 112 miles an hour. Somehow we managed to become fans without knowing all of that. See, stuff. and I like that part of it. Those are the things, launch angles and, and how the ball is exiting and exit velocity. I enjoy those because it's just a quick hit and it's just something yeah. different and it's a different vantage point. You also got by and you enjoyed sports not being able to watch it on television. Right. We're only or only having black and or color. <laughs> right. And now here we are. There is advancement, and a lot of the yeah. advancement, it is a good thing, too. Well, speaking of advancement, we talked about that uh, the NBA top shot last week, and, mm-hmm. and, and we were completely, both of us were clueless. You see that painting that sold yesterday? No. I, I don't get this. What do you got now? Well, some guy, there was a painting. Painting. A painting? Like a painting. Okay. Like an artist painted this. Got, oh, yeah. But it, it's kind of animated. He, some guy, some dude in Miami bought it for 67000 he just sold it for six point six million. What? Yes. And it's guys walking in a park, guys and gals, you know, like a Sunday stroll in the park. Six point six million. I, there's lots of things these rich people can be doing with this money. Six point six million dollars for a painting, right? And the top. I mean, how do you how do you put video clips in your spokes? Well, you're not supposed to do that with your baseball cards. Well, anymore. the the the, the duplicates or the traders, as we called them, or the you know the stiffs, guys you'd never heard of. Speaking of uh, the trading card industry, I saw last night a report from Darren Ravel that the place that grades the cards, where you send them in for yeah. the grading, yeah. 
they are eight to nine months behind in the grading. Really? Not only that, they have raised the price to get a card graded through them. It's ten bucks. They've now doubled it. It's now twenty dollars to get your cards graded. So, if you're in that industry, what a wild year that has been, and how it has grown and blown up. It feels like for me, growing up in the late '80s, in the you know the boom that turned out these cards aren't worth anything because right. they produce so many of them. Yeah. And just how different and how quickly these things can change. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't get a great grasp of it, though. No, nor do I. Uh, it's 1125. Our friend Zubin Mahente will join Trent and I next. Promise we'll save some time for your play of the day, Trent Condon. We got feedback yesterday that we forgot to do it. Uh, so we, we I didn't play a game last night. Well, you were busy. I was. I had Girls' State basketball last night, so... Threw a wrench into things. That's the most difficult part about this time, which I love. As you know, college basketball, I feel like it's the sport I handicap the best. Mm -hmm. But these two weeks with Girls' State Tournament, Boys' State Tournament, I just don't have the same amount of time. So you're saying take your plays with a grain of salt? Oh, I've already done some research, though, for today's slate of games. How about today's slate of games, by the way? Not a lot of games, but some good games. Oh, my gosh. Best two teams in the Big 12. Best Mm -hmm. two teams in the Big 10. Uh, Wisconsin and Purdue, perhaps a big game uh, when it comes to Iowa's Indianapolis, where they will start with that double bye that they have right now. We will come back with Zubin Mahente. We're Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Trek Condon here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always have- Anytime. Trent Condon here for the Urology Center of Iowa. Well, I did it. I had my vasectomy procedure with the Urology Center of Iowa. It was quick efficient, and I was in and out in less than a half hour. The big bracket for college hoops is coming out soon. If you want an excuse to chill on the couch while watching wall-to-wall basketball, then it's time to make the call to the Urology Center of Iowa to schedule your vasectomy. Call 515-400-3550 or online at iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. And tell them you heard it. Human Services. All right, just past 11.30, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Let's get to our friends, Zubin Mahente. We go around the world of sports with Zubin. Let's start with the NFL because it's about to ratchet up. It is Mel Kuyper's season after all, Zubin Mahente, is it not? How are you, friend? Doing well. We actually had Mel on this morning. And for those of you interested, I'm sure most of your audience is interested in the draft. For the first time this year, I believe his latest mock draft is on ESPN Plus right now. For the first time, he, I know others I think have done this over the years, he's never done trades yeah. in his mock draft, ever. 
And so for the first time he's done it, he actually had the Jets moving out of the two spot, going to the four, the Falcons sliding up the two, taking Zach Wilson. What does that mean for Matt Ryan? He actually had six trades in his top 15. Six trades in his top 15 overall pick. So it's worth checking out, and we're almost there, a little under two months away. And that's the midway point, at least for me, of the offseason. Once we get to the draft, whether it is or it isn't, it's all downhill as we work our way towards August and our middle of July in training camps, et cetera, et cetera. Zubin, um, I, I think that, um, you know, Schefter said there, what did he say, Trent? 18 quarterbacks? 18 and a half was the number he 18 had. 18 and he a half. The, and he said he'd take the over. Which uh, we haven't seen it yet, but it seems like you know it's we're about to once we get to the start of the new uh, uh, year uh, in the league. Maybe that will jumpstart some things. I don't know if we'll see that many, um, but I don't think he's crazy to think that there's going to be double digits. How about you, Zubin? Yeah, eighteen is a is a tough one. At first, you you sort of get caught up in everything, so you look at it and you start spitballing like we W and L. The schedule, you just start going down every one of the 32 teams, and you're like, yeah, that's possible. I mean, I guess they could move to it, and I guess they're going to move to Sean. Maybe Trubisky's gone, and maybe they don't break Jimmy G, and suddenly you're at four, you're not even thinking. You know what I mean? Then the three that have already happened, then you're at seven, and you never know. I think it's going to tamp down a little bit. I do think Deshaun is the one that's going to, and, you know, Key and I were talking about this this morning. He sort of disagreed with me on this, but I do believe that you know, he believes at this point that Watson's value could be slightly watered down uh, because most teams know the Texans have to do something. If you know the end result, at the end of the day, you will preach a little bit of patience. Like, for example, if you knew Cam was going to get cut last March, I'm not by any means comparing Cam to Deshaun Watson, but if you knew Cam was going to get cut last March, why would you even offer the Panthers anything, even your lowest draft capital? If you knew you could pick him up, and as you know, nobody did for three it's almost three and a half, four months in the past jumped on board in late June, early July. But I look at it and I just sort of simply say, I think once the market for Deshaun is set, I don't think anybody can expect anything more than what Deshaun's going to get. And I think the underrated story that no one's talking about, I discussed it this morning. It's another thing he and I kind of disagreed on. I just don't, um, I don't know why the Steelers are treating Ben Roethlisberger like this. Is he a Boy Scout? No. Has he been in trouble? Sure. Is he full of drama? Yeah. But it's still 17 years, face of the franchise, two world championships. I understand. I appreciate the honesty of Kevin Colbert saying, look, at $41.5 million, you know there's no way Mm -hmm. we can do that. But I just thought the public nature of the way they've sort of not cast him aside because it does appear he's going to return, but just the way that they've sort of handled this seems to be the unlikely from the Steelers, who are such a tidy, buttoned-up, Sort of organization. I thought they played this a little bit loose, a bit sloppy, and I'm a little bit surprised. I certainly think he's going to be back, but to me, that's an underrated story that not a lot of people are talking about. The way the Steelers are talking about Big Ben. Talk with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. You mentioned Cam going to the Patriots this year. I saw a report from Jeff Howell, the Athletic, the Patriots writer, saying from multiple sources that they are scouting the quarterbacks, that they are trying to basically everybody short of Trevor Lawrence figuring out what it would take to move up in, which one of those groups would be good. When you look at the future of the Patriots and Belichick, and I think we all respect him at an incredibly high level, do you think they're going to be back and being a contender quickly, or is this going to be a fade to black, if you will, for the Belichick era? I can't see the latter happening at all. Let me throw another scenario out that a lot of people have given up on. He knows Bill pretty well, 
and he thinks it's possible that uh, that Cam is back. I think many people just mm-hmm. thought that ship had sailed, mm-hmm. the eight touchdowns, the ten picks. But I think he looks at it, and I mean, if you add it up and you say, look, I mean, they, look, they didn't have an OTA, neither did anybody, no minicamp, no preseason, truncated training camp, Cam got COVID, the Pats had Donta Hightower, and the most amount of people out from any team that had COVID. If you reverse all of that and get a motivated guy, now I, don't, I have no idea what Cam's arm, it looks shot from time to time. But if you reverse everything I just said, give everybody a full off season and pair him with the greatest coach of all time. And if you went on the I Am Athlete podcast, it's a podcast that's done by three former players, Chad Johnson, Fred Taylor, and Brandon Marshall. Cam went on there about a week and a half ago, and he praised Bill Belichick. And he seems to think it is not out of the question. I don't know if it would happen. I mean, obviously, Cam, the Washington football team, has some connecting of the dots as well with Ron Rivera. He doesn't really seem to think it's over and done with in New England. And if you give them that full compliment that they didn't have a year ago, I'd ride it one more time, but I definitely think Bale is going to get this fix. Matt Light, former Patriot, who's a media guy up here in the Northeast and the Boston area, he famously said during the season, didn't get a lot of run. I mean, he's not a prominent guy like Bruce or Rodney Harrison or anybody like that, but he's got, obviously, inside to Belichick. He said that in many ways, if this season turned out to be what the Pats thought it would be, that Belichick would always look at this season as a wash. It's COVID. Who knows? It's a one-off. It doesn't mean the Bucks title means anything less. But Bill always sort of looked at it as a, hey, this is not going to be make or break for me. Also, look, they're 7-9. and nine. They win the Sunday night game in Seattle when they got stopped at the goal line. Suddenly they're 8-8. Eight and eight. Cam doesn't fumble against Buffalo. It's not a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. But they easily could have finished 9-7. and seven. You needed 11 wins to make the playoffs, so that wouldn't have mattered. But if Cam suddenly wins those two games and they beat Buffalo in Seattle and they go 9-7, and seven, Again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, things look way, way, way – you know, as he says every morning, if Jimmy Garoppolo completes one pass in the Super Bowl, how are we talking about it right now? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just one of those things that um, I don't think it's out of the question Cam could return. Uh, that's a great point. How are we talking about it? Cause just because the pass was there, was it not? Zuba Mahente is our guest. Zuba, I want to ask you, I mean, you, you're too young. Both you and Trent, I believe, would probably be – I know Trent is uh, – to remember Irv Cross and what that uh, that CBS Sunday morning – the NFL today, what that meant – uh, in the pantheon of, of pre-game shows, that's really the first one I can remember, you know, as a kid in my teens, uh, probably. Brent Musburger was a young man, Phyllis George, Irv Cross, and of course Jimmy the Greek, who was picking games against the point spread for crying out loud way back uh, in the 70s, which is remarkable to think about. Uh, but Irv Cross passed away this past weekend, Zubin. I, I know you're familiar with what they did, but boy, oh boy, that was... I don't know. Was that the first Subin? Did that set the pregame uh, television in motion when it comes to sports? I would say yes for two reasons. I remember watching it with my dad finally. My parents moved to the country in 74. My dad started following sports a little bit after that. So we started watching like in the early to mid-80s. And I would tell you that two things. I don't think people recall, I'm sure you guys do, Part of the reason the show is huge, not only was it iconic and everybody's sort of chasing that pregame show and you're looking live and all that stuff, but I don't think people remember, I certainly do, just having wanted to do this for so long, how big Brent used to be. So when Brent was involved in anything, it magnified it times 10. Remember, there was a time Brent was doing the Masters, calling the Mm -hmm. Final Four college football and hosting the NFL all at once. Those are jobs that are now separated by Jim Nance, Joe Buck. And Al Michaels. He was doing all of those. And the NBA. I should even mention the NBA when it was on CBS 
in the 80s. That's Mike Green. All of those guys I just mentioned, Brent did all of their jobs by himself. So it's one of those things where when he was involved in anything, it was huge. And by the way, think about the blast from the past. You're talking about the 70s. Today we're trying to diversify more than anything. They have the first black guy out there as a national sports anchor. They have a woman out there, which obviously there's been so many more women into the sports media journalism force. And to your point, if you watch NFL Network today, like after we hang up, they still won't talk about gambling. <laughs> so the fact that in the 70s they had an African-American, a woman, and somebody picking gambling yeah. lines shows to show you how far ahead of the line and how far ahead of the curve they really were. That, that is a great point. Yeah. I mean, just a great – I never even thought of it that way, but you're 100% right. Oh, sorry, Trent. No, and Irv Cross, I mean, for me, I remember him late in that NFL, and then he became an analyst. But just such an interesting story, something I didn't realize until his passing – is he was the first player for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, this guy... He was the first Eagle? He was. I didn't know that. He was a pioneer in so many walks, and he was the first TV sports broadcaster Jeez. in Philadelphia. That was African-American. Just yeah. on and on and on. These stories about a man, just an absolutely remarkable career. And, you know, we continue to see these kind of stories. They certainly are great. Well, Zubin, I want to jump to some college basketball, and, and I don't want to rub any salt in the wound because I do root for your <laughs> Scarlet Knights, but... Last night's Ooh. performance, that was putrid. One of the worst performances I've seen, and believe me, I've been watching Rutgers basketball for like 30 years. <laughs> I've seen some bad ones. Yeah. I think what really is disappointing is I talked to Trent about this before we came on the air. I know they started well, they flipped. I think they have some very good individual talents. There was a time when they first joined the Big Ten. It would be laughable for them. They even have a guy in the Big Ten all-honorable mention team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they have guys that can play on the first and second team now. I think what really hurt them is, you know, they still haven't made the tournament since 91. Again, woulda, coulda, shoulda. They probably would have made it last year, snapped the drought. You know, Indiana probably would have made it last year and snapped the drought. I think last year for a couple of Big Ten teams, it was absolutely crucial to get into the tournament and make sure they relieve some of that pressure. And whether it's Archie because he just hasn't been there or Rutgers hasn't been there since 1991. I mean, they played, I believe, four different conferences since then, the AAC, the Big East, the A-10, the Big Ten. I mean, They've been in four different leagues since they've made the tournament, which is really amazing. But, you know, Nebraska's there for the taking, um, and they couldn't do it. And I think it's pretty fair to say that the effort last night was, was really weak. I mean, I, I, know, I know most people love, you know, just counting Rutgers as a win. But I do think there's some residual benefits when it's cool like that that can get some level of media attention here in an area where people don't really care that much about college sports. But I think they're totally off the radar. I just hope this is not one of those things where, you know, Pykele can at least get the program over the top once. Whatever happened to Steve Prohm, you can't take away those Big 12 titles. You can't take away some of the things that he did. Pykele is still trying to get to where Prohm got. Now, obviously, Prohm's on a hot, hot seat. But I just sort of wonder if for Pykele and Rutgers, you know, everything has to come together right for you to be able to win. Everything really has to come together. And it felt like that was 2020. And it sort of feels like this near miss is going to end up costing us for a couple of seasons. It just felt like we just totally had our chance through no fault of the university's own, and they just couldn't grasp it. Uh, Zuma, we we started this by saying it's Mel Kuyper season. It's also Joe Lenardi season, as we certainly see uh, Joe Lenardi uh, often. And, and why wouldn't we? Is the probably the most well known bracketologist out there. Uh, wonderful, wonderful time of year. And your the slate today of college basketball. I mean, I'd put this uh, this slate of games tonight up up against any. So Zuma, it's all going to be in one place. Uh, we didn't have it last year. 
What does that mean for this year? Are we just going to be, you know, salivating once we get to that point and get a bracket after not having one last year in front of us? Might this be, you know, eyeballs watching this like we've never seen before? I think so, because I think the media is making too big of a deal. And it is a huge story, don't get me wrong, but I don't think the casual fan or the everyday fan cares. And it is a big story. And it's how everybody's going to get to Indy, stay there, isolating of small things like the referees. I, I saw a piece the other day. They're still trying to figure out how to do laundry. <laughs> All of the 68 teams that get there that are going to play 67 games. Um, you know, socially distanced at 25%. But I, I saw the other day, that's actually 25% everyone. That counts security workers. That's like 25% of people, bodies in the arena. These are the types of things that media goes crazy over. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be first one to say I'm fascinated with it, too. But once it gets down to playing in the game, and whether it's at Lucas Oil, whether it's at Hinkle, wherever they play the game, I think it's going to be a tournament that people are going to rally around. It's just this time of year. You can't really replace the atmosphere. Like, even today, like, West Virginia, I think Baylor's like 5 o'clock our time, somebody told me. And I was like, yeah, 5 o'clock? It's just mm-hmm. kind of a weird time to watch the game. But you can't really complain because they're finally going to play. And then, obviously, the Illinois-Michigan game. And then we're doing some digging. You guys might appreciate this as longtime Big Ten fans. Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, is Illinois, Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. at 4 o'clock on Saturday, Eastern Time. And that is, that's uh, March 6th, uh, 2000, uh, 2021, of course. March 6th, 2005, I think we're working on this something to do this week, and I was talking to the College Game Day guys. Um, March 6th, 2005, 16 years to the day, Illinois walks into Ohio State 29-0, and and loses in their final regular season mm. game. Illini still get the top seed, go to the championship game. Little bit of symmetry. March 6, 2005, they're clearly not undefeated. They're not even going to win the Big Ten. But they're walking back into Columbus with a chance to probably, uh, if they can finish this week outright, get themselves mm-hmm. a number one seed. So there's a little symmetry tonight because that, that matchup between top five teams, we had Jalen on the show yesterday. People don't realize, Trent, I know you do because you follow it how well Michigan is recruiting. It's not just right now. It's not just Martelli. They're absolutely exploding. And then on Saturday to have that little anniversary, it'll be a really, really great final week of the regular season. Zubin, uh, good stuff. Busy time of year. We appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Have a great uh, week, Zubin Mahente. Thank you. You got it, guys. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente, ESPN uh, Radio Mornings with uh, Jay Williams and Keyshawn Johnson and Zubin Mahente. We will come back. Uh, Trent's play of the day amongst the uh, minutiae that we'll get to in our final couple of minutes here uh, as we uh, talk local sports with you on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 106- UFC 259 is this weekend and is sure to be action-packed with three title fights taking place in one night. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100-1 to odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. Pick either main event fighter to land a punch during this weekend's UFC 259 bout and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100-1 to odds. Just bet $1 on either fighter to land a punch and if that happens you will cash $100 download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday that's code KXNO to turn $1 into $100 if either fighter lands a punch for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Iowa only new customers only restrictions apply see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call have a home with us a business name is important sure 
For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. Have a home with us. The 2021 Spring Polar Plunge for Special Olympics Iowa is right around the corner. Registration is happening right now on the Special Olympics website, soiowa.org slash plunge. The event will take place on Saturday, April 17th at Lake Aquabi in Warren County. And if you're interested in joining the fun but don't want to leave your home, that's okay too. Register to take the plunge virtually and help out Special Olympics Iowa. More information, soiowa.org slash plunge. This message brought to you by NCMIC. You always won every time you placed a bet. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. What a day of college hoops. Baylor, West Virginia at four. Michigan, Illinois at six. Uh, Michigan State, Indiana at seven. That's going to be a rock fight. That's a big game for both of those schools. Purdue and Wisconsin. So... From an Iowa, we never talked about Iowa State, Texas, and Iowa State's getting 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Yikes. We'll um, see on Bolton. Yeah, I, I, he didn't practice yesterday. Okay. Now, as far as Illinois, Michigan, DeSomu has been fitted with a mask, and according to Twitter, will play. Will play. I will got him play. at seven. I got the Illini. I, not my favorite play, but I jumped on that before the news because I'm going to guess. It'll go, the, yeah. It'll start up. probably trickling a little bit more. I would think it's going to be a good game. Yes. Um, I hope. Hopefully, Desumu just plays well. That's the other part. You don't know with that mask. That's true. Some right? guys hate it. Yep. Some guys, Rip Hamilton just wears it the rest of his career. <laughs> which is yeah, so I weird. found that weird. Oh, yeah, didn't, yeah, that was. Uh, so what is your favorite play? I like Georgia Tech tonight against Duke. That's okay. on my list. I like Michigan State against ACC Indiana. ACC Network. You should like Michigan State. Okay. But my favorite game, Kentucky's only chance of making the tournament, Okay, is to... Win the SEC tournament. Uh-huh. So they got to head down to Oxford, get clubbed again by the Rebels, mm-hmm. and just get ready for next week. It's only three. Going to lay the three. Ole Miss, my favorite pick of the night. So you think Kentucky's mailing it in in anticipation? Of, yes. Okay. And that game is on, oh, look at this, uh, WHO. We have it on the background, uh, and they're doing birthdays. Oh, yeah? It's Keith Murphy's birthday. Ah, happy the birthday, birthday boy, by the way, will be on in an hour and five minutes. That he uh, will. So Kentucky Ole Miss, that's ESPN. Will you be? Uh, what have you got re- uh, uh, at Wells Fargo re- uh, today? I got one more game coming up. It'll be the nightcap again, so I'll be on the air at 9 o'clock. Started off the coverage this morning at 9 a.m., and we'll o'clock. end it at 9 p.m. That's the last fi- And who's, who's in that? Who plays in that game? Uh, that'll be one of the two-way quarterfinals as they're kind of bouncing around. Started with 5A. Went to 3A, 4A going now. It'll be a 2A quarterfinal. And then tomorrow, 1A will take the floor for the final time of the quarterfinals. We will have the 5A semifinals here on Thursday on KXNO. Both of them, right? Yeah, 10 o'clock will be game one, all Central Iowa Fair Centennial. After that victory, they will take on the top seed, Waukee, and then Johnston against Iowa City West in Game 2 at noon. So we'll bring both of those to you on Thursday. The championship game then for Class 5A will be Friday night also here on KXNO. All right, so since I said it's not like we have a show on Thursday? Well, we might have a little time, so we're going to have to put our heads together. 
and see. You want to do a segment together, recap what we see Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, why don't we do that? So I'll grab Sipple. I wanted to talk to Sipple before the Nebraska game, so oh, maybe okay. we should do that tomorrow. That's a good idea. I you like know, that. Cappy will be here tomorrow. It's Wednesday. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors our friend David Kaplan. We will catch up with Cappy tomorrow uh, at 11.05. We'll recap Iowa State and Texas tonight. Good luck to Gary Wade in his final Final game. Well done. Moment. That was a really good interview. Compelling. I, thank you, uh, Gary. We're great, great person. Mm-hmm. And what a what a run! My yes. gosh. All right, Murph and Andy at uh, one. The Fanatics at three. We're Miller and Condon weekdays from ten to noon on fourteen sixty KXNO and one hundred six point three.